What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Culture wars are nothing new. They have always, always, always been part of North American society, probably globally. Uh, they seem to go through ups and downs, right? Ebbs and flows. They're not as big a deal as they are at other times. But it seems we're at the height of a new craze right now, uh, especially in the United States. And um, one after the other, issues suddenly find themselves in the crosshairs. And it's always fascinating to me how so many people can be led to fits of outrage over something they probably didn't even think about a week or two before it suddenly became the hill that they'd now be more than willing to die on, right? You may have heard that drag is really under fire, right? It's a, it's sort of, oh my goodness. Um, it's crazy. Drag has been around for a very, very long time. Marilyn Monroe's biggest hit, Some Like It Hot. You remember that movie? 1959, it featured Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon in drag for the whole film. It was funny. It was charming. 65 years ago, everyone loved it. Now... These absolute legends of the screen would probably be public enemy number one in some places. It's intolerable. It's to the point now where a number of U.S. jurisdictions are actually bringing in laws to try and ban drag shows. It's on the table in a number of U.S. jurisdictions. Tennessee, for example, proposed a law um, where male or female impersonators would be prohibited from performing in public. That law was bounced out of court as quickly as it got there is unconstitutional, but there are a bunch more in the works. And here in Canada, we watch as the wars rage on, knowing that the skirmish ultimately, as it always does, will spill across the border and that outsized influence of the United States will affect us here. In fact, I think it already has. There are a couple of instances just this week um, that show that that kind of I don't know what else to call it other than a culture war. I don't know what else to call it. It becomes the cause, of the, the flavor of the month, if you will. This is what we're outraged about now, and and people act out on it. Now, I guess if there's a sliver of good news, is it won't last. There'll be something else to be outraged about in a few months. But in the meantime, there's lives in the balance, right? It's a very serious situation, and people are growing more and more concerned about it. So we're going to chat now with... Helen Kennedy, who is the executive director of EGAL Canada. Uh, Helen, thank you for joining us. Appreciate your time. Oh, I much, uh, much appreciate being on the show, and thank you for doing this piece. Yeah, it's it, it's just it's so frustrating to me sometimes to see how people just fall down the traps of you know this is what we hate today, and it's crazy to me. But regardless, this kind of legislation that we're seeing in the United States, first of all, are we naive to view it as oh boy, those crazy Americans, or is this something we need to be aware of here too? Well, I mean, I think there's an element of, oh, my God, those crazy Americans, but it's not, you know, it is something that we need to be concerned about here. It's very concerning, both in the U.S. and in Canada, and there are other jurisdictions around the world as well that have been implementing these types of um, um laws. Uh, and we have to be very careful uh, around how we deal and react to this in Canada. When we talk about that laws, legislation, things like that, is there any steps towards that in Canada that we're keeping an eye on that have come to your attention that, okay, this maybe it's not a new law, but something along those lines from an official you know, uh, office or something that we need to be aware of? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, by and large, we have pretty decent legislation that protects 2SLGBTQI folks in Canada. But what we haven't done in Canada is shift the culture to be more inclusive and accepting of 2SLGBTI folks. And we see it, it's a slippery slope going across the country right now, whether it's the um, change in the regulation in the education ministry in New Brunswick to laws, uh, municipal laws around our school boards banning the the, um, putting up of the pride flag. Uh, We are seeing a trend here that would indicate to me that we're potentially going in the same direction as they are in the U.S. See, that frightens me because, you know, like you say, aside from the legislation and politicians passing the laws, there's lives at risk. I mean, I'm sure you heard the story just, was it yesterday? I think a guy in Montana um, was given more than a decade in prison because he wanted to, quote unquote, rid his town of gays and lesbians using his rifle to do so. Uh, We know in Canada just last week, uh, a little girl, I think she was nine years old, was accosted and yelled at and accused of being trans at a track meet in BC. So that culture war, when we talk about that sentiment, that aggression, we already see it. That's happening in Canada. It absolutely is happening in Canada, and it's not new. I think the level and the pitch it's at right now is something that we're not used to seeing. And I think that that is a reaction to what we're seeing in the U.S. But this has been going on for decades. And, you know, we know from the work that we're doing in schools across the country that our young folks are the victims of violence every single day in the classroom. And whether it's perpetrated by a fellow student or the teachers themselves, we need to do more and we need to do better at having these conversations throughout our education system in an age-appropriate manner. There's a couple of things there that I want to get into a little bit more if I can, because you know what? You you talk about the education system, and I think a lot of people get really concerned. I had a conversation with somebody last weekend who was asking me what I thought about the kitty litter uh, being brought into schools for kids who identify as cats, and this was a reasonably intelligent person. I thought, boy, I mean, if it's reached this far, um, we know the kind of misinformation that's out there. So yes, we need to have an education thing, but you also mentioned may age appropriate. So how do, because I mean, how do you balance that? Because I think some of the concerns that parents are raising, we don't want kids exposed to this. Well, of course, I, I understand what you're saying. I get that. It needs to be age appropriate, but how, how do we do that in a way that everyone can agree? Hell, is it possible? Well, when, when, when parents say uh, exposed to this, what are they actually talking about? Yeah, great point. Are they, are they, are they talking about exposed to difference? Do they want everybody in the classroom and their kids to have an education that that is so homogeneous that it's not reality. This is not new. This is a conversation that we've been shoving under the rug for, for centuries. There are two SLGBTQI people in every single family, in every jurisdiction, in every community. And the more we continue to deny it, the more we're going to have what you term as a culture war, oppressing people who are some of the most marginalized in our society. When I talk about having a conversation with a child. It's a conversation that, a simple conversation that you would have with a child when they ask you a question about about race, about religion, about, you, you do it in a way that is not going to um, I think harm the child would be the first thing, but you need to let the child know that there are a myriad of different identities in this world, and that however they feel is okay to be part of who they are, if that's their identity. There are kids of queer parents in every classroom in in schools across the country. How do you think they feel about their family when a teacher 
or a fellow student does not want to have a conversation about a queer family. I agree with you completely. I I think talking to kids about it and and working with kids and explaining the differences to kids uh, from my experience with kids. That's not a problem. Kids don't get weird. They don't, they don't have an issue with that. They recognize that people are different. It doesn't bother them and they might be curious. They might have questions, but it doesn't change the way they view a person. I, I've seen that firsthand in, in numerous different ways. What about the other education? And that's their parents, society as a whole, because like I, I, I didn't say it well, but with, with the misinformation and the weaponization of this, I mean, if you and I right now, I'll guarantee you, I haven't opened the text line and I'm not gonna, we're being called groomers. We're being called pedophiles because we dare to say that it's okay to have these people be part of the conversation in our country. It's not, you can't be supportive of this anymore without being a groomer. And it's so weaponized. So how do you change that? Well, again, it goes back to the education system, but you have to look at, is that the, is, that's the loudest voice. That's the noisiest perspective. It doesn't necessarily reflect the general perspective. Um, how everybody feels around these conversations and these issues. And I, I mean, I'm not trying to downplay it. It's very, very serious. But there are two streams here. There's the political stream and the political opportunism around these conversations to incite this kind of rhetoric. And then there's the social stream. Is it is it part of our social ethos that this is how everybody feels around difference in two SLGBTI identities? I'm, I'm in the hopeful camp that it's not social and yeah. that it's mostly political opportunism for, for an individual politician to access power. And that's where I think it's coming from. But I do feel that the majority of folks are shaking their heads and, and I'm, I'm hoping yes. anyway, uh, and that they're of the understanding and the realization that this is ridiculous. There are bigger issues to contend with in society, homelessness, access to health care, you know, I'm, goodness, look at the poor people in Manitoba right now, indigenous residential schools, like pick a topic, you know, but I think having an open, honest education system that's inclusive of diversity is a healthy thing. For Canada, what do we need to do at a political level? Um, are our politicians doing what they need to do to make sure that we don't end up in a situation where we're talking about laws that would ban these kinds of things? I mean, is our political system holding up to like? I agree with you; it's a minority, but it's a politically motivated and angry and vocal minority. Is our is our political system standing firm? I think that. Canada and political leaders have a responsibility to protect everybody. And that includes 2SLGBTI people. The state has a responsibility to protect 2SLGBTI people. I think that state, anything other is state-sponsored homophobia and transphobia, and that shouldn't be allowed. And we should be vigilant in terms of who we're electing at school board level, at the city councillor level, the mayor level, provincial and federal, to make sure that these types of attitudes and beliefs are not being pushed through our political system and changing our society as we know it and are proud of in Canada. Helen, thank you so much for your time today and, and your advocacy. I really appreciate you being here.